You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the post-game show. The Texans lose 27-20, to 20, the final. Oh, my God. We got so much to talk about with this one. Uh, it feels like deja vu all over again. Welcome aboard, everybody. I'm Robert Land from the Houston Sports Talk Podcast, along with co-host Brian Patterson from FansideHouseOfHouston.com. Thanks for diving into Locked On Texans, your best daily source of Texans news, views, and interviews. We've also got... As a guest from my Houston Sports Talk podcast, RG Seal joining us for this one. And guys, uh, this one to me was not about the players on the field necessarily. Deshaun Watson, though, didn't have a great game. We're going to dive into that. But I want to just talk about to start with and RG, just to get your thoughts. Deshaun, J.J. Watt, Jadavian Clowney. It looked like a lot of rust. They didn't play hardly at all in the preseason. But guess who played a lot in the preseason? Tom Brady. It was mentioned at the end of the broadcast. I I was thinking this at halftime. You know, it helps to play in the preseason sometimes. It helps to get the reps. Some guys look rusty that hadn't played with the Texans. And Tom Brady, who played quite a bit with the Patriots in the preseason, looked pretty good. It was definitely a factor, especially for the first game. And by the way, thanks for letting me join you guys on this first post game of the Texan season. Disappointing result. But yeah, there's there was a rust factor there. It showed with Deshaun Watson and Tom Brady when he's able to you know get in his rhythm in the preseason and come out the first game and do what he does. I mean, he threw for uh, what was it? Two hundred sixty seven yards, three touchdowns. But I, I think we're missing the glaring point here that this game was pretty much lost in the the last two minutes of the first half, and I blame that on coaching. And and I I maybe want to get you guys' thoughts on this. But first of all, you know, with uh, under two minutes left, that Bill Belichick is going to call timeouts. He's going to want to get the ball back for Tom Brady. You're a precarious point in the game. It's fourteen to six, and and yet the te- Texans there they end up punting the ball. They give the ball back to New England. So right there with the play calling on that drive, uh, I I was just mystified by that. And then second, once they do uh, give the ball back, then Gronkowski makes that catch that's not a catch. Well, yes, I guess the NFL can review that, but you can also challenge that. I mean, Bill O'Brien, there's just no excuse for not throwing a red flag right there. I mean, and and once you go down to the Patriots 21 to 6 at the half – when they're up by 10 or more points at the half, you know, they almost always win. So it's just, to me, it's mind-boggling. The game was lost right there. When you're down 15 points, I know comebacks and Texans get the ball, begin the second half. They were just playing from behind by then. Tom Brady was in cruise control, and Tom Brady was barely touched until late in the game. So, I, I, I mean, there were a whole bunch of things that happened, but I really put that on the coaching right there. And that's where I mean kind of like same old Texans, some of these coaching blunders, some of these mistakes. You just can't make that. They've got a week to regroup here. Let's see what they do against the Titans. But those are my initial thoughts. Yeah, and what you said there with uh, OB, it wasn't necessarily throwing a red flag, but he had three timeouts. You call a timeout, you give them a chance. Yes, you can review it there if you're the officials, but you call a timeout. 
the officials didn't even have a chance to look at it really because Brady got up to the line of scrimmage and and, and that's what what you got to do in that situation the Texans as Tony Romo said they go into the half with three timeouts and you know like they, they, basically they didn't use any of the timeouts you I get so frustrated because the Texans never use timeouts on defense um, when they when they have that chance and, and they'll go into the locker room at times or they're going to the end of the game with with the timeouts it's like what 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 are you waiting for what do you what do you want to use those i mean sometimes uh with the the patriots that's what you have to do and i mean you mentioned that play that uh stuff by ob but there, there was a other stuff by o'brien uh throughout the game it just didn't look like you know again he didn't know what he was doing against bill belichick he was totally out coached uh romeo as well i mean w- when you look at a couple of things like Kevin Johnson, I mean, and and I don't want to rip the guy uh, any more than we already know that he's not a very good cornerback. But you know, the Patriots knew that that was the one weak spot on the field. Romeo should have known it. Everybody should have known that. So what did what did they do? They went at Kevin Johnson over and over and over again. It cost him two touchdowns. He had a holding penalty. He missed a guy in the open field really bad. You know, his career might be over because these concussions are starting to add up for him. Um, so, you know, he's a great guy, I, you know, n- nothing against Kevin. He was put in a bad situation and as was Zach Cunningham, there was just, uh, Brian, there was too much one-on-one with Zach. I know you want to put him in the pro bowl already, but Zach Cunningham against Rob Gronkowski one-on-one was a nightmare and notice that Dylan Cole took over in the second half and it was a different story. And let's let's talk about the, the the preseason. I mean, the goal was to ensure that these guys got out of the preseason healthy with all the history that we've had with, with injuries, especially with the 2017 season. That was just the whole situation. But it's backfired because, you know, they're, they're looking rusty out there. So it's a matter of finding the right mix of the amount of snaps in the preseason for them to take advantage of. And obviously that was the case. Now, I think J.J. Watt was very effective out there. That I would say that that's a guy that was an exception. That was a play that was late in the game, which it, it was the second sack on Tom Brady uh, that DJ Reader was able to finish him off with. Uh, so JJ, Watt, you know, we're not going to ever see the guy that we saw that was Defensive Player of the Year. But do I think he still can be effective? Absolutely. Um, so in, in terms of preseason snaps, that's you know that could be a factor. But we're you know in week one, going into week two, they've got to figure it out and figure out something soon because. Uh, this isn't going to be, you know, the, an offense that, you know, I want to see every game. It looked like Tom Savage was out there, just the way things were running in the first half. You know, we we weren't moving the ball, you know, it just, and then Deshaun Watson was holding on to the ball way too long. Very characteristic of Tom Savage, who's making errant throws. But then all of a sudden we started to pick the pace up. And I talked to you about this, Rob. I texted you at, uh, you know, near the half. The Texans, they need to speed things up. They need to pick the pace up and get that defense on the back of their heels. And obviously you saw something that was a lot better uh, in the second half. So if they were able to do this the whole game, who knows where we would have been not playing from a high. Yeah, you can't pick the pace up, though, if you're not getting first downs and the Texans offense was not doing a whole lot. And and, and that that's always the case. We always say pick the, the pace up, but we know the Texans, they don't. Uh, want to do a no huddle until they start getting a first down or two. If you look at the offensive possessions uh, early in the first half for the Texans, Deshaun fumbles on the first offensive snap of the game. Well, you can't pick up the pace after that. Then they get a three and out. Um, At that point, they get two first downs. They punt. Uh, Bruce Ellington drops a third down pass. Now, we got to talk also about the inactives because – 
Uh, there was no Will Fuller, and it was obvious that they missed him uh, going down the field, opening up the field a little bit for DeAndre Hopkins because DeAndre Hopkins was pretty much invisible in the first half. Kiki QT, uh, he didn't play. Ellington with a couple of drops in the game. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, Duke Ejiofor, uh, one of your best special teams guys that looked in the preseason, also that could have helped with that pass rush. Uh, he might have been injured uh, from what I understand, so he was out. Kendall Lamb. Uh, of course, was out. Uh, that's no big loss. But Kayvon Webster, you know, this is the thing, RG. If, if Kayvon Webster is healthy, then he needs to be in there. Because if Kevin Johnson stinks, you can put in Kayvon Webster. Uh, not a lot of confidence in somebody like Johnson Bottomosi. You don't have a whole lot of options at cornerback. And with no Kayvon Webster, um, you know, when Kevin Johnson's getting beat everywhere and, and Ty Matthews yelling at him, like, what are you doing to give up the touchdown? Then they, they, I mean, that's the Texans. They leave themselves in these corners with no options. It, it is, this is coaching. This is an organizational issue. It's not about the guys they put on the field because I'm going to talk about it a little bit later, but Brian Gain has put together a pretty good roster. Yeah, but I mean, some of these defensive breakdowns, we've seen it in the past with the Texans. And, and like you said, especially on that touchdown play, uh, wide open there. I mean, when, and, and when Brady has time to throw, uh, t- to me, uh, you know, look, Romeo Cornell is one of the best defensive coordinators. And and we've seen this before with previous Romeo Cornell, Cornell stints as defensive coordinator, where early in the season, uh, there's uh, some some difficulty with the scheming. Then the players get into it and, and they uh, and the defense gets better as the season goes along. So I, I expected actually a few of these kind of breakdowns. You just didn't want them to happen for touchdowns. But uh yeah, you know, I, I, I'm kind of getting back to what you were saying before. Uh, t- to me, I'm you know, and looking at this game, I mean, the Texans did have opportunities. You usually don't get this in New England, where you get a fumble on a punt. Which, by the way, I didn't want the, t- the Texans to punt right th- at the end of the game. I'm talking about in the fourth quarter. I wanted them mm-hmm. to go for it, uh, and yet they get a break right there. They get a break from Rob Gronkowski fumbling the ball. I mean, uh, you know, Tom Brady throwing an interception. Their first three possessions in the red zone, they got six points. You just can't do that in New England. You can't when you want to beat a team that's the best of the AFC. They're the gold standard. And, yeah, uh, Belichick is Yoda the Jedi master uh, to to Bill Belichick, and he he schools him every single time. I mean, we've seen this. It's it's a broken record. And, uh, you know, and – Maybe Bill O'Brien again with a week here going up against Mike Rabel, his former coach next week at Tennessee. I mean, big game already for the Texans being uh, down on a one, but that's also a division game. Not many people were expecting this uh, to be a victory in week one against the New England Patriots. But when you look back at some of the things that happened in this game, there were opportunities for the Texans. And yes, Deshaun Watson was not sharp in this game. And uh, that, again, we get back to the preseason and, you know, Look, I understand, uh, Brian, what you were talking about earlier. There are going to be injuries, and you always are fearful of that. Players coming off of injuries and significant injuries and, and missing the season, and you want to be careful with them. And, and I totally, completely mm-hmm. understand. I can, I can see coaches resting for the preseason players. But at the same time, this is football. It's a violent sport. You know that going in. You can't play afraid. And maybe this, uh, the Texans maybe need to rethink this to where, okay, you don't play. You know, you have four preseason games right now, not two. You know, maybe the first preseason game, Deshaun Watson hardly plays or one series. Second preseason game, one or two series. But by that third preseason game, as was tradition in the past, that was where you played three quarters, right? The starters were out there. They were getting used to being in a football game again. And boom, there you go, right into the season. So maybe that's something to think about for the future. 
You know, it just it seemed like there were opportunities to up in New England that usually don't happen. And even though New England was the better team on the field today, uh, you know, the Texans had opportunities and could have stolen this game. And we're recording this, I want to mention, right after the game. And we saw Deshaun could have been hurt on the Hail Mary. So if you we're not talking about it yet, uh, something happens. We find out something, you know, late Sunday or Monday. Just know that we're recording this right afterwards. So, you know, you try to keep Deshaun Watson healthy. But then something weird happens like the Hail Mary. I mean, it's football. Guys are going to get hurt. You know, you got to play to try to win every single game. And to get the guys ready for game one was the, you know, that's what you got to do. And, and it just doesn't seem, didn't seem like Deshaun was ready for game one. It didn't seem like Desha- uh, JJ was ready until the second half. Where, you know, clowny, merciless. Uh, the Texans just didn't seem ready overall. I mean, there's more stuff in the coaching and RG. You're right. Again, the typical no urgency, um, you know, late, late in the game. You know, there was a lot of, you know, play calling that was off and, and weird. And why are you running the ball when you got to catch up and, you, you know, you need to throw the ball. You needed a couple of touchdowns. I mean, there was just so much. The punt, like you said, uh, they got lucky. They on the fumble, Batamosi, who you got from the Patriots for special teams, helps you out with the recovery. But, uh, man, there's just so much in this game. But before we get to the, some more of that, Brian, the Patriots were favored by six and a half in this one. Uh, for people out there that w- thought that the Patriots should have won by more than six and a half, they missed an opportunity to go to my bookie, Brian, and place a wager. You don't want to miss your chance next week, do you? You got opportunities uh, with the Texans playing. If you feel like you're doing pretty well, you know what they're going to do, win or lose. My bookie's the place to go, right? That's right, Rob. And since we started this podcast, people have been asking for advice. And it's usually what team to bet on this week. Patriots or Texans or Chicago or against the Green Bay Packers. Well, let me tell you, where you're betting at is just as important as who you're betting on. So that's why I recommend MyBookie.ag. MyBookie has been in this business for years, and their rep is rock solid. They do 100% cash bonuses, so off the bat, you're making money for doing nothing. And they have the the fastest payout. Seriously. Just two business days and you'll have your cash. I would recommend only a service to my listeners that has been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit with up to a hundred percent bonus. Use promo code locked on and visit mybookie.ag or download the app through the App Store or Google Play. You play, you win, you get paid. My bookie. Do it. All right, Brian, you and I have got a big I told you so to the Texans because we talked about it through the preseason when Martinez Rankin comes in at left tackle. He doesn't play right tackle where you're worried about Chantrell Henderson. You're worried about his health. Davenport plays the whole preseason at left tackle. So you're wondering, well, why isn't Martinez Rankin getting some play over at right tackle more? They played him a little bit at left guard. I mean, Chantrell Henderson goes out. Uh, with the injury. And by the way, on that play, you know, typical Patriots uh, referees helping him out a little bit because Chantrell gets a hand to the face. That should have been a penalty. Uh, Then Deshaun Watson gets a hand to the face. Uh, I think both of those were on Flowers that was going up against uh, Julio Davenport, who was moved over to to, to, uh, or against uh, Chantrell Henderson. And then they moved Davenport, Brian, over to right tackle uh, then Martinez Rankin comes in at left tackle the first play. I wouldn't. I think it was a sack, and and it just took. A, it seems it took a while for Davenport to get comfortable. I don't know if he ever got comfortable, 
playing over at right tackle. He was never as comfortable as he looked all during the preseason at left tackle. And now is not the time to experiment. You put guys where their strengths are, and uh, that's that's where I'm at with uh, Davenport in that situation. We obviously know that Martinez Rankin, he probably wasn't expecting to be jumping into the game so quickly. And what we can take out of that in the series that he did play, the snaps that he had to take as a necessity, is that there's still a lot of growing for him uh, to do. But I didn't expect to see Chantrell Henderson already hurt, and it looks like apparently it's a broken ankle. So this guy is going to be out a while. So now you're going to have to start looking at what options do you have at right tackle, uh, at tackle period. And then you've got Kendall Lamb out there, too. That is why Kendall Lamb's on this roster. We talked about it, you know, in the preseason, you know, when the roster has been constructed. Why is Kendall Lamb still here? This is a reason as to why you just don't know what Chantrell Henderson's health is going to be. This guy has come back from a, a indefinite amount of injuries. I mean, this guy just had a non-cancerous cyst removed from him, and now he's going to have to recover from a broken ankle. I mean, I, I just I wish he would have been able to have the opportunity to help this team because we really needed that coverage on that tackle side. But uh, it looks like that Chancho Henderson, we may not be seeing him until much later this season if – this season at all yeah and it seems like if the the, the bad luck finds the texans weak spots and chandrell anderson and right tackle that that was a week that was something you were scared about what happens if he yeah. gets hurt you know what 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 about martinez rankin who you did you got one offensive lineman in the draft you got one way to improve and then that guy was hurt the majority of training camp and the preseason it was a killer so he didn't get reps he looked like a guy that was struggling out there as a rookie and that's going to happen. He gets thrown into the fire immediately at left tackle. You know, I felt sorry for Martinez Rake. I feel sorry for Chantrell Henderson because everything that he's gone through, what his fault. I mean, any offensive lineman, you get some guy roll up on your ankle. You're going to get hurt. I mean, that's not being brittle. That's just, that's going to happen. It's called football, but I mean, the Texans, it just like, if, if they screw something up somewhere uh, in depth or at a position it, it, it finds them. It finds them, RG, no matter what. And, you know, you want to talk more about Bill O'Brien because this is, these are the things that frustrate the hell out of me. I don't know whether this is on game, but this seems like an O'Brien thing because um, this is, seems like a mistake that they have made over and over again over the years, long before Brian Gay became the general manager. I do say with Brian Gang coming in as general manager right now, and the Texans, remember this past uh, season, they didn't have their first two picks in the draft, of course, because of trading Brock Osweiler and Deshaun Trade before. And so uh, they might have been looking for an offensive tackle in those first two rounds. Uh, they they didn't have any pick in those first two rounds. So uh, next year, that's something that they'll obviously need to address. But offensive line depth, you're correct. A lot of people thought, well, maybe the Texans will go out in free agency and they'll sign one of the big name uh, offensive linemen and they're out there. But they decided to go out, and, like you said, with the uh, make some of these smaller acquisitions uh, in, in order to kind of looking at the salary cap. And so uh, they maybe didn't have the depth on the offensive line. This is maybe a, a two off season program in order to kind of get the offensive line. ready. I know fans don't want to hear that right now, but the offensive line was so terrible last year. I mean, Tony Romo and Jim Nance were discussing that four of the five Texans offensive linemen are, that started last season are completely out of football. That's how historically bad they were last year. And yet uh, they went out and they, they did, at least make some uh, offensive lineman acquisitions. And you were thinking, okay, going into the season, 
um, maybe they could play well as a unit, but I mean, they really struggled today. Uh, the, the offensive line, and like you said, the injuries and and putting a rookie in there, and then having to shift everybody in the offensive line, it was bad. The pass protection was bad, and and you. Uh, you, you saw that throughout the game. And, I mean, again, that's something that the Texans are going to have to look for depth on the free agent market. That's where Rick Smith, right? That was one of the things when, oh, look for depth on those uh, free agents that are out there. And, and uh, you know, occasionally he would get lucky with those. But, I mean, Brian Gain, that's what he's going to have to do. Maybe Texans have to look about maybe acquiring another offensive lineman via trade, uh, you know, because that, uh, you, you know, the offensive line is important. It's it's. It's integral to uh, having a really good football uh, team. I mean, you saw that with a great offensive line the Philadelphia Eagles had last year. And then even when they had injuries, they had the depth uh, uh, with their offensive line. So, I mean, the Texans need to be looking, scouring the waiver wire, looking for any uh, way possible to, to bring on more offensive line depth. Yeah, it's a little bit late for that, though. <laughs> it's a little late. Yeah, yeah, and I think the problem with that is is that we didn't have a first or second round pick this this draft. I think we would have invested more in the offensive line had we not, you know, had we had those picks because I, I really felt that that's where we should have gone in the draft. That's what we needed more than anything. But a GM's ever going to tell you that they're going to be drafting based on need. They're just going to draft the best that they see um, available. So, yeah, a lot of problems there, but I, I just don't know who you're going to trade for, who you, who's available now that you can go and get because um, it, it's just one of those things that offensive linemen are such at a premium right now. And to find one that can come in and produce on a quick, just a quick turnaround to learn the system is just going to be hard to find. But uh, I would love for it to happen if there's well, anybody the Texans out are gonna there that can Well, the are going to have to go out and get somebody, Brian and yeah. Robert, though, right? Because uh, really yeah. they're, they're – I mean, look, they lost in Terrell Henderson. He's, he's going to be out for a while. Year. Yeah, I mean, yeah. with an ankle injury, yeah. a fractured ankle, I mean, you're yeah. done for the season, in yeah. my opinion. So uh, they're going to have to go out and get somebody to replace that, maybe be somebody over, I, you know, uh, they're going to have to find some solution there is what I'm saying. So, um, again, yeah, that's we didn't, we didn't see that guy in the preseason that looked like he was going to be the answer. And if Kedalam is, you thought, was the best that you had at, at tackle uh, to throw on the roster at this point, you know, to me, yeah, you're, you, you might have to, uh, overpay somehow, do something. I mean, but the, it's so hard to find that position. And and I I, I will I want to say one thing because Bob McNair wasn't at the game. They said he was under the weather. I don't know if this was you know can the cancer stuff that he's dealing with again. You know I, I don't know, but he wasn't at the game. Hopefully it was just you know he had a cold or something like that. He, but he was watching on television. If he was watching on television, that's good because maybe he watched the game and listened to the broadcast and thinks. Hey, maybe Tony Robo should be our next head coach because he sounds like he knows what's going on. And I was just watching the game, going like, Tony Robo, let's let's hire him because he Tony Robo oh. was terrific with strategy, just just showing what Bill O'Brien should have been running. I just want to note that as well. Keep going. I'm sorry. No, that, that's exactly <laughs> yeah. that's what I'm saying, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and like I said, I, I do want to give a little bit of credit here to Brian Gain for some things. Now, he didn't solve the – we said he didn't solve the offensive line all that well. you know. But, but like RG said, you couldn't do it in one offseason. It was almost impossible trying to replace four guys in an offseason. They tried to go out and get Nate Solder, unfortunately – uh, that didn't work. I, you know, I don't know what the numbers difference. You know, we have no idea what all went into Nate Solder's decision, what the numbers were and stuff like that. But here, Brian Gain, you know, let's look at the rookies. Martinez Rankin. Yeah, he didn't look good. We, we know what went into that. But uh, Jordan Akins, 
Uh, he had some good catches. Jordan Thomas with a nice catch. Uh, Ty yes. Matthew, off-season move that he made. He comes up with the interception. Also, by the way, thanks to Angelo Blackson, uh, who has a fantastic game. Uh, Brian, we mentioned what how good he looked in the preseason. Uh, Blackson's a guy who made some definite plays out there, and they decided between O'Brien and Gain to keep him on the roster, which was a good thing. And Ty Matthew had the fumble on the uncharacteristic uh, you know, Gronk, Gronk sort of just dropped that one, but Ty Matthew two was there. Takeaways. Yeah, two takeaways for Ty Matthew. Yes. You got to give Gain some credit uh, for that. And uh, I mean, Trevor Daniel, that's still a question mark because that first punt was bad, 36 yards. He nearly got one blocked. I don't know if that was his issue or, 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 other, or, or other stuff, but special teams, uh, another rookie, Kalambayi, with a nice play on a kickoff return. That caused him not to even get close to the 25-yard line. Uh, Badamosi recovers the fumble. So there, there were moves that Brian Gain made um, all over the place. You know, you got to give the guy some credit for those. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm going to jump in here, guys, because I, I want to say, too, uh, when we're giving credit on the, not only the offseason moves with the general manager, but uh, to me, the special teams today, uh, vast improvement. Uh, remember how many years we've been watching the Texans on, on coverage? And, and basically, they got a couple of turnovers there, uh, or, or they got the on the on the punt. I mean, they did have the one punt blocked, and they also are tipped there. And uh, they all, like you said, that bad punt from Trevor Daniels to begin with. But let's uh, the Carmi Fairborn uh, field goals. Uh, you had better coverage, uh, and then you also had the the Tyler Irvin run back. I was really impressed. I mean, he had several over thirty yards, and so I mean, it's just those things that we've seen and past Texans teams. All the problems with the special coordinators that we've joked about through the years. You know, Texans going through uh, you know different spe- special uh, uh, teams coordinators like most teams do under or most people do underwear, right? I mean, it's just a continual changes there, and yet you know they've still had the same problems. So maybe this is like a bright point out of this game uh, to where you're looking in, at special teams and thinking. This was a question mark coming in the season. Maybe it can actually be something that's good and a positive. And let me just tell you about Aaron Colvin. Aaron Colvin uh, was making plays whenever he was out there. You know, he was making tackles. Um, it was beautiful coverage. But I think it was uh, toward the end of the second half. Um, I think it was a wheel route uh, heading out to one of their uh, receivers, uh, number 17. Uh, but it was beautiful coverage by him, and he wasn't able to get much past him. And that's what you're supposed to do um, in disrupting. And um, he could take some lessons from uh, – Kevin Johnson could take some lessons from him on how to cover. And um, it, it was just – I don't know if you guys remember. I think it was about eight and a half minutes left in the in the first half. But um, I was very impressed. That was a guy that needed to show some stuff because in the preseason, he gives up the only touchdown to the Niners, um, I believe, uh, by you know one of their receivers as well, uh, Trent Trent Thomas, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But, uh, yeah, it, Kevin Johnson – when he was trying his hardest, he would get a penalty. You remember the holding penalty that he got just right before the uh, concussion, before he was getting, he got willed out of the game and whatnot. He walked out and, you know, that was a whole situation there. But uh, yeah, I, I, I really saw some improvement by Aaron Colvin and I, I just certainly hope to see more of him. And we're probably have no choice, but to see more of him, especially with the depth that we have. Were any of you surprised that Kayvon Webster was inactive uh, this game? I thought he was going to be ready, but that that kind of took me by surprise. Yeah, I mean, I was I guess I was surprised, but I, I have no I have no idea where he is as far as recovering from the injury from last year. I don't know if they wanted to keep him, uh, you know, sidelined 
maybe for a couple more games just so he can get a little bit healthier. Uh, but yeah, that that was you would figure he'd be up to speed. Uh, you would want him, like I said, with Kevin Johnson. I mean, I, I, I don't know what else to say about Kevin Johnson. Everybody saw it. I, I don't think any of the people listening are going, wow, Kevin Johnson, you really think he was not good? Everybody agrees on that. And, you know, with the concussion, uh, two concussions in a few weeks, you know, I, I, again, I, I think it's going to be a while. If at all, we're going to see Kevin Johnson down the road. You know, he's got to start thinking about uh, his career, you know, he was a light guy coming in. He was not built big. Uh, he doesn't weigh a whole lot. He plays a very physical game for a cornerback, and and that's got him into problems. It was a concern that we saw the first couple of years, and and it, and it's come to rear its head right now. So you know, first round pick that y- you missed on. You know, they they they've hit on a lot of first round picks, and it, it looks like right now that's the rare one that. Uh, they missed on it goes, of course, that's a Rick Smith miss, but he hit on a lot of first rounders. He did really get on a lot of first rounders. Uh, um, I, I want to bring up a couple more positives, but also want to remind everybody that if you're enjoying the show, tell your friends, let them know they can find us on Spotify, the Google podcast app, iTunes, and most anywhere you'll find your favorite podcast support our free content by sharing the links to our show with your social media followers and take a few seconds to rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to us. We also want you to be a part of the conversation. So email LockedOnTexans at mail.com for questions or comments. That's LockedOnTexans at mail.com. We want to hear from you. All right, let's get to some bright spots, uh, Brian and RG. I want to start off with Lamar Miller. Lamar Miller looks faster. He looks quicker. He's hitting the hole better. He's a totally different guy. If there's one super positive takeaway from this game on the offensive side of the ball, it's Lamar Miller. 20 carries, 98 yards, Brian. What did you see? Yeah, and you were talking about this uh, back in the preseason, like you were really frustrated with them uh, being ran up the middle, and they weren't doing that a lot with them. They were you know, trying different schemes, you know, having them come from different sides and whatnot, trying to, to get the yards that they needed. Um, you know, I, I just worry about with this much of a workload, you know, now that he is lighter, that he's more susceptible to injury. You know, we worry about that. But again, you've got Alfred Blue back there, which scored one of the key touchdowns that we had this game. You've got Deft at, at running back, but, you know, it's just great to see Lamar get going in the action. But I do worry about, you know, the overall, if we're going to be running him like this, is this going to have an effect on his health? Serious conversation, people. And and I mentioned this guy earlier and we have a love affair with him here on the show, and there's good reason. Dylan Cole, to me, is the Texans' best middle linebacker. To me, I, I, it's it's obvious. You know, he's not starting. I am to the point where I don't understand why. Uh, does anybody want to take this? He had a nice tackle. Uh, it was a nice stop in the fourth quarter. Um, it was shortly at the beginning there. I remember uh, that tackle by him, and it seems like, like nothing gets past him. He is athletic. He's fast, and he's always looking at the ball and ready to hawk it, ready to make a play, ready to make a takeaway. And that's something that this unit has needed to improve on over the years, even under teams coached under Romeo Cornell. So, you know, this guy is here. And again, amazing. He's an undrafted free agent. This guy should have been drafted, you know, right out of Missouri State. And um, he's he's wanting to let 
the 253 times that teams decided not to pick him that it was a big mistake back uh, in 2017. So I'm just really excited about Dylan Cole. He this is going to be his coming out party. I even wrote Al House of Houston this, you know, on I went to print on it saying that 2018 is going to be Dylan Cole's coming out party, whether you like it or not. Um, he should be eventually uh, starting in this uh, situation, but it's just going to be rough, you know, with all the competition that he has out there. It might take an injury, and I don't want anybody to get hurt. But I see that's the only way he's going to get out there and play a lot of snaps. Why? He's the he's been the most talented looking guy of the group. Zach Cunningham, you know, he was trying to cover Gronkowski, which I, I just I, I you should have pulled the plug on that way earlier. He wasn't looking back for the football well. Uh, Brady knew it. He was picking on uh, Cunningham. Uh, Kareem Jackson was slow a couple of times to get on the on that touchdown for sure. The first touchdown in the game. Kareem Jackson, you know, he's got to get over there quicker. Uh, Kareem overall, I thought, had a good game. But that play obviously was huge. It was a touchdown. And, and he wasn't there in time. But Cunningham is not as good in coverage, even though he's better than everybody that we've seen, Bernardrick McKinney, Brian Cushing, every middle linebacker we've seen start for the Texans in recent years. But Dylan Cole, he's shown he, he is the best in coverage, and he was just all over the place. His, he put an imprint. You, you mentioned one play. I saw him everywhere. Uh, Dylan Cole was in a play. Even if he didn't make the stop, he was slowing something down. I mean, Dylan Cole should be the starting middle linebacker. You got a second-round uh, drafted picked uh, in both Bernardrick McKinney and Zach Cunningham. So they want to prove, you know, a lot of times these coaching staffs and the organizations, they want to prove that, oh, it was a second round pick, but this guy was an undrafted guy. Uh, you know, we, we look at the other side and it's Bill Belichick on the other side. And you think Bill Belichick would care? He would go, Dylan Cole's our best guy. He's the one that I'm starting. Too bad. You were a second round pick. Too bad. Rick Smith has been really good about picking those undrafted free agents. And, you know, if he could feel he could you know, could fill a hole and do it on the cheap, he could find an undrafted free agent to do so. And, you know, that would be one of his lasting legacy moves is picking up Dylan Cole, because I think he's going to be a key part of this team uh, for quite some time. You notice with Brian Ginn, he's not on that as much. We have a few undrafted free agents. I believe Vincent Smith is your most notable one right now that's made the 53-man roster. But Brian Ginn wants guys in here, no projects, ready to come in here and produce and make an impact right off the bat. And Rick Smith was like, well, if he can help us here, if he can help us there, let's go in and bring him into the roster. So obviously see a difference of governance as far as how this roster should be constructed and how these players uh, should carry their roles coming into this team. RG, are we are we just spinning our wheels here with the, the Texans? Because, you know, we could talk about this position, that position, this player, that player. But Bill O'Brien and, and the Texans coaching staff just got smoked by Bill Belichick. There's one team that you got to get through. You know, so we talk about this with the Rockets over on Houston Sports Talk. There's one team. It's called the Golden State Warriors. There's one team. They're called the New England Patriots. That's who you got to get through. Bill O'Brien, clock management, play calling, uh, timeouts, uh, red flags, you name it. This guy gets schooled. And, and you were just, I mean, like I said, you're listening to Tony Romo. He knows what to look for. He knows what's coming. And yeah. our, the Texans don't know what's coming. And that's just the thing about this, right? Because we we all watched the game today and we we figured that the uh, you know Texans would at least, you know, 
this is Bill O'Brien. He just got a contract extension. He just got handed the keys to the kingdom, right? So uh, he has his own guy as a GM now. Rick Smith is out. So you were expecting that, okay, taking over, he's adjusted to the NFL now. But yet these still these same things that keep happening, you know, where you have like just what you said, uh, inopportune uh, use of, of – uh, or, or not calling a timeout of the proper situation. That's uh, clock management. Uh, you know, not throwing the red flag or, or not uh, having a timeout there to where the officials could review the play. Or just play calling where you know what's coming on first and second down and then the Texans are in third and long. And, I mean, there, there are a lot of things there. There's some things that were to be – Obviously, coming off of last season, there were positives because of Deshaun Watson's performance. Everybody was expecting, wow, look what the Bill O'Brien offense can finally do. But before that, remember, with all the different quarterbacks, the offense had really sputtered, wasn't imaginative. So it was really that those few games that Deshaun Watson came and was extraordinary and one of the best uh, rookies in NFL history over a short span last season that got Bill O'Brien – uh, again, this this the, the keys to the kingdom and the contract extension and the control of the organization. But looking long term, there has to be concern. There has to be worry about these things because that should not be happening for a coach in his in his fifth year coaching the Texans. I, I mean, these they're just again, you had opportunities here and. I mean, you, you let the team down and then those opportunities uh, and, and that gets down to uh, you know, the coaching staff. And so, you know, going forward here, there are going to be a lot of people that are going to be complaining this week coming up. I'm already hear it, already starting to see it about Deshaun Watson. And, and he's already starting to show a, a little bit of regression in the first game. But to me, Deshaun Watson's going to be all right. Look, I know his numbers today and he had some bad throws. But again, we were talking about it to begin the show that he was having. He didn't have the typical preseason because they kept, mostly kept him out because uh, they didn't want to get him injured. But and I, I just feel like with Deshaun Watson, I mean, he showed grit in the second half. You know, he would run mm-hmm. for a first down when he could. He wasn't making the sharp, accurate throws that we saw last season when he was a rookie. But I think over time that will come. And he, face it, he was going up against, you know, uh, New England Patriots up in at Gillette Stadium. That's a tough place to play. So. Anyway, those are kind of my my thoughts on the matter. But to to your point, it does get back to the coaching staff. Another guy I want to talk about, DJ Reader. I mean, boy, did he look great out there. Three tackles, two sacks on Tom Brady. And you know how hard it is uh, to get to Tom Brady. And he was able to be successful with it. I mean, one of those plays, J.J. Watt was able to assist on it, as I talked about earlier. But uh, it goes to show that when you have a, you know, you're an understudy to one of the greats, such as Vince Wilfork, you know, this guy is here. He's ready. And, you know, what we carried, like, three nose tackles on our roster this preseason, and we cut pretty much all of them because, you know, we know that's how confident we are with DJ Reader's abilities. I think Brandon Dunn's still on the roster because he could easily slide over to that position in case anything were able to happen. But uh, just really impressed with DJ Reader. One of my favorite guys on this team truly has been a blessing to have him on this team. Also want to look around the AFC South. Uh, Blake Bortles, again, just carrying the Jags to victory. 18 of 33 for 176 yards, one touchdown, one interception. But it's good enough to beat the Giants. Uh, Saquon Barkley had a pretty good game, 100, yard ru- 100 yards rushing in his first game. Uh, Andrew Luck, 39 of 53, over 300 yards, two touchdowns and an interception in a loss to the Bengals. But uh, he made it through the game, it sounds like, and a pretty good game for him, 300 yards. So th- that's what's going on ar- around the AFC South. 
Anything that I've forgotten, RG? Anything that you noticed? Anything in the final notes uh, for the Texans or in this game? Well, I think, again, uh, to me, it just gets down to uh, the, the Texans had opportunities. They didn't play well. I mean, overall, New England was the better team. Tom Brady, again. But but when Tom Brady throws an interception in the red zone, uh, you know, deep in his own territory, you get the ball in the red zone. When you have, like, a, a, a punt where you uh, – you 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 get a punt a fumble on a punt, uh, and you're down deep in Patriots territory, and then you also get the fumble from Rob Gronkowski, who never makes these kind of mistakes. You had opportunities to where you could actually, and the final score is twenty-seven to twenty. It's got to be frustrating for people, you know, that you had the the these opportunities to take a game, to steal a game in Foxborough. So I I think. You know, big picture here. Will the Texans going up against Tennessee next week? They're not as you know, they're not the Patriots. You know, looking over their schedule, I still think the Texans. You know, let's not just get discouraged by a week one victory. I mean, week one loss on the road against the New England Patriots, uh, the defending AFC champs, uh, the perennial goal standard in the AFC. It's a game that most people weren't expecting the Texans to win. But now, when you look back on it, you think. All these things that the Texans really didn't do well. Deshaun Watson wasn't sharp. They did have the good running game, but uh, you know your quarterback, the guy that you're expecting to come out and be strong, didn't have a very good game. Yet you were still really in it until the last, the last minutes. It's really going to come down just what we were talking about earlier: long-term uh, coaching. Is Bill O'Brien right for this team? To me, that you know that's. Yeah, to me, that's going to be what the season's about. And if the Texans can make a deep playoff run, you can just get lucky. And we didn't think Gary Kubiak was that good of a coach. And maybe he wasn't that good of a coach, but they just kind of found a way into a championship somehow. You know, it's like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, the Texans, they're, they're going to need but some. Most of fortune. the time, that doesn't happen, though. Come on. How many have happenstance, you know, walking around, you know, oh my gosh, just luckily I, you know, won a championship here. And to give Gary Kubiak some credit, I, I think, look, Gary Kubiak was always a very good offensive coordinator, even with the Matt Schaub years, remember? There, I, you, you don't see that with the Bill O'Brien through his first five years. Was, oh, offensive genius. So Bill O'Brien's coming in and he's going to transform the Texans. It wasn't until Deshaun Watson arrived, he transformed the offense but and then you had like Gary Kubiak learn from his mistakes he said you know what I can't go with my uh, good buddy uh, Richard Smith I'm bringing in Wade Phillips well guess what once you had a really good defense and Wade Smith uh, Wade Phillips a very good defensive coordinator things change and that's all the years that Wade Phillips was defensive coordinator except that one that was a busted season of course where Kubiak ended, get, ended up getting fired he took Wade, Wade, Wade Phillips with him to Denver it was a much different story because uh, Gary Kubiak could concentrate in the offense and he didn't seem to make the bonehead blunders as much you know when he was concentrating on the offense and working there and that was his forte Bill O'Brien's doing the same thing now here with the Texans he's taking over the offense and doing that but we're still seeing kind of these boneheaded things that happen these head scratchers and and that's just where there's concern because it took Kubiak a long time but maybe he finally learned and he did win a Super Bowl so I mean maybe that's the hope here with uh, Bill O'Brien that he can follow the Kubiak recipe to success right the the track to success the Kubiak path and uh, maybe he, he figures it out and, and and is able to lead the Texans to a uh, a Super Bowl. Yeah, he but gets I, fired by by the Texans, and somebody else picks him up, and somehow he lucks into a Super Bowl like Kubiak. Kubiak, we, it's all the same stuff though with Kubiak. You talk about him as a good offensive guy. You know, Wade was kind of forced on him, if I remember correctly. The Wade Phillips thing that was like forced on him, but is a, a good offensive guy. But you know, so so what? It was the, the st- same stuff we're talking about with Bill O'Brien. It's timeouts. 
uh, late in game situations, uh, red flags, uh, weird weird play calling at weird times, not clock management. Stink. I mean, all of the same. It's exactly. But I will the same. say that in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Remember, Kubiak had some of the best offenses in the league with a uh, Matt Schaub at quarterback and and Andre Johnson. You know, as a receiver. I mean, Matt Schaub. I mean, we've seen since he's left Kubiak just what kind of a quarterback he was able to do this and have this kind of magnif- magnificent offense with him. And yeah, you're right. Right. Uh, Kubiak did have the the game we all remember playing not to lose and, and they're probably but eventually I mean he went to Denver work with his buddy John Elway you know and and they won a championship and and he did he learned hey I have to you know he could have brought somebody else in or said okay when he's leaving but he 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 even if Wade Phillips was forced upon him he eventually recognized hey I have to have a great defense I need to have that you know in order for you know and if I can just have a functional offense. and the thing I love about about Kubiak uh, too is that he was able to get the most out of his players Bill O'Brien hasn't been able to do anything in regard to that he's always had to have the talent I mean you have Matt Schaub you turn him into a pro bowler his best years were under Kubiak Joe uh, you know going with Joe Flacco you know whenever he was the offensive coordinator one year best year of his career in in terms of production, he even turned Trevor Simeon into a productive quarterback. We don't even, I, I you know, Trevor Simeon's a backup now, but you know, you just as, as terms of him hearing him on a regular basis, you know, Trevor Simeon, you know, was a very decent quarterback under the tutelage of Gary Kubiak. What I'm talking about here is that you know he makes players better than what they actually are. He's just fine. He's able to get the most out of each of, of the players that he's coached uh, in his career. And you've got to give him some credit for that. Hey, hey Brian, you're forgetting the most coach. glaring example there. That's the season at Denver where Brock Osweiler had such a great eight games. And then all yeah. of a sudden it's a big contract from the Texans. Very good point. I wasn't going to mention his name. I haven't wanted to mention his name in a he's while. Like and Voldemort. It's a name we won't mention, right? From the right, Harry right, Potter right. series. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well on that depressing note uh we'll go yeah. ahead and end the show it's perfect depressing note uh, quick reminder the lockdown podcast network just launched our new college channel look for your favorite college team go to apple podcast or google podcast or follow for free and follow for free all of that that good and good stuff the lockdown network is on an incredible yearly pl- pace of 30 million downloads with nearly 100 podcasts in the network you can get more texans content on locked on texans Com. Hey, it's our website. Our writers, Andy Rio, Charlie Gutierrez, Brandon Gimple, and Calvin Crawford are doing a great job over there. You can find Brian's writing on the Texans, Astros, and Rockets on HouseOfHouston.com, a fan side affiliate if you want to hear my thoughts. And RG's thoughts on the Rockets and the Astros, listen to our Houston Sports Talk podcast. Some fantastic guests occasionally, and me and RG break the rest of Houston Sports down over there. That's all we got for this one. Uh, you know the disappointing final. It's 27 to 20. Uh, we're going to come at you daily. I hope you keep tuning in throughout the week. We're going to have our lockdown crossover. We're going to preview uh, next Sunday's game against the Titans. Lots of good stuff coming up. Hope you'll stay tuned to us. As always, thanks for making us a part of your week. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.